creation and the church of Jesus Christ saying how great is our God Lord we thank you because it's preaching time and we know that there is a word for us today so would you take that word and wash our hearts and minds open our eyes and our ears that we may see and hear what your spirit has to say to the church God would you cleanse us this morning fill us afresh and anew challenge us oh God that we may be better believers when we descend down the mountain give me now preaching power Lord that preaching may be done and in the end thereof, we'll give you all the honor. We'll give you all the glory. For it all belongs to you. Keep me at the foot of the cross. For we will see you, Jesus. Thank you for this hour and these who have come. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said amen. And amen. Let's give the Lord some praise while you are standing. Thank you, Sister White. Amen. Thank you, praise team and choir. Oh, my. Didn't they sing today? Ride on, King Jesus. Happy Palm Sunday. I want to welcome our visitors to the New Beginnings Community Baptist Church. We are an expository teaching and preaching church. And that means we believe through, about preaching through the book of the Bible, books and chapters at a time. Family? And this morning, we invite you to journey with us in the gospel according to Mark. The gospel according to Mark, chapter 11. In honor of Palm Sunday, we will take a hiatus from our work in 2 Samuel and look at that Palm Sunday passage. Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. Amen. Amen. To our visitors, thank you for being here. We know that uh, you could have been in one of over 500 churches in the Fresno metropolitan area. But by the grace of God, you are here with us. And we don't take your presence lightly. So thank you for being with us today. Mark 11, verse 1. When you have it, holler back at me and say, I got it, Reverend. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. And he said to them, go into the village opposite you. And as soon as you have entered it, you'll find a coat tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say that the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the coat tied by the door Outside, somebody say outside. outside. On, the street. On the street. And they loosed it. 
But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing? Loosing the colt. And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. And so they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus. And they threw their clothes on it. And he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road. And others cut down leafy branches from the trees. And spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And all God's people said, amen, amen. and amen. Turn to your neighbor today, that good-looking neighbor. Look him in the eye. Tell him, neighbor. neighbor. Oh, neighbor. Oh, neighbor. On, Palm Sunday, On Palm Sunday, my pastor, my pastor. Wants, to wants to talk to you about another dimension, another dimension. Of, discipleship. of discipleship. Amen. Another dimension of discipleship. Amen. Another dimension of discipleship. Another, another, another dimension. Not the same one. A new one. Another dimension of discipleship. It's the last year of the master's earthly ministry. Jesus is four days out from going to the cross of Calvary. The text says he has huddled at the Mount of Olives, which was known to be his secret prayer grounds. And it's from the master's secret place that he gives his disciples divine instructions to do something that's going to elevate his name in the earth. Jesus literally gives them an assignment from the secret place so that when they fulfill this, the people they're going to impact are going to sing his praise in the earthly realm. It was a new dimension of discipleship for them. They've been with him three years, but never had they had this assignment before. Y'all in here? The text rings for you and I, brothers and sisters, about the importance this morning of next level ministry. It reveals to us how important it is to understand that every disciple ought to have another dimension that God is trying to take you into. We, we should all be striving to have a heart of service and worship for our soon coming king. Inside of this passage, New Beginnings, we're going to see today how humanity can worship Christ like they never had before. If you will grasp the next dimension 
of your discipleship. If you're wondering why the world ain't praising him yet, somebody ain't checked in on the next dimension. Y'all in here? My sermon aim this morning is that the New Beginnings Church would understand that what the Lord wants from us, Reverend Mason, on our journey in the earth and what the Lord requires of us, we will do for him as he commissions us to go into the world and make disciples. I got three points in the text, and I think you might, you might find these interesting. Number one, I want to talk about the disciples' assignment. Number two, I want to tag the disciples' ability. And then number three, the disciples' authority. Can I say that again? If we're going to be next-level disciples who understand another dimension of discipleship, number one, we got to know that our assignment calls for us to go into another dimension in our discipleship. Number two, in that other dimension, we must understand that we have a divine ability. That's been given to us. And then number third, as we move in another dimension, we got to understand we've got divine authority to operate on behalf of the king. Can I unpack it today? Stay with me in verse one. Keep your Bibles open, visitors, as we walk through the passage. The text says, now, when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two. Of his disciples. Remember that's a pattern he's been doing all through the three years they've been with him. And he said to them go into the village opposite against you. And as soon as you have entered it you're going to find a colt that's tied. <clears throat> which no one has ever sat. Loose it, untie it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say that the Lord has need of it. And immediately they'll send it here. Can I unpack this for you? When we arrive at this portion of the text family, we see that Jesus has sent his disciples on a special mission. A mission that is coming ahead of his triumphal entry. This special mission and assignment is to go into a village and find a cult that nobody has ever used. Untie it and bring it back to the master. Here it is. There are three special things in their assignment. Number one, they got to go to a divine location. Number two, they got to obey a divine vision. And number three, they got to take heed to divine instructions. See, according to the text, Tom, because Jesus has a special need for his disciples to complete this task, this takes this assignment from the natural to the supernatural, which makes something so simple now divine. It's divine because God is asking for them to work on his behalf in the earth. Can I say some more? 
And because Jesus is going to use their efforts and use their labor to bring himself and his glory in the earth, this simple but detailed assignment has now divinity written all over it. See, from the secular sense, if you read this text too fast, it doesn't seem that this assignment is all that important. But from the biblical sense, this mission is of great importance because it's going to be the thing, stay with me, that helps him to fulfill scripture. Can I waddle right there? Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. One of the prophecies identifying who the Messiah was going to be has said that when he comes, yeah, let me read it for you. Rejoice great, greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He's just and he has salvation. He's lowly. And he'll be riding on a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey. Here it is. There were so many prophecies laid out in the Old Testament testifying about who the Messiah would be. In order for Jesus to fulfill and complete the assignment that God had on him, every prophetic word that was written had to be accomplished. And if one prophecy was left unfulfilled, he could have not been the Messiah. Y'all in here now? So here we get a picture of God inviting the disciples in on the divine plan of the Father. To help the chosen one, the son of the most high God, fulfill the word that was to be proclaimed about his coming in the earth. And any of the haters who said he wasn't the Messiah would have to check this off their list as they ran through the prophecies. This ain't no ordinary assignment. Come on in here. This is a divine assignment. He's got to find somebody he can trust with helping him to fulfill his word. I'm going somewhere this morning. I got any help in here? See, Jesus had to come in on a donkey. Couldn't come in on a stallion. Couldn't come in on a wagon. Brother Johnny, he couldn't ride an Uber. Couldn't catch a lift. He had to ride a donkey. And it couldn't have been a grandma donkey or a grandpa donkey. It had to be a cult. Come on, Bible readers. They got to get this right. If he's going to be worshipped in the triumphal entry. Can I say some more? They got to obey all that the scripture has commanded. In order for the Messiah's destiny to be fulfilled. This assignment is of great importance. And it's of critical nature. They got to follow the details of the text. All of them, daughter, every step along the way. Here's the application. As disciples of Jesus Christ, 
in the 21st century, you too have been given a divine assignment from the King of Glory. And I plan to serve you notice today. Can I say some more? Our assignment is to do three critical things in the earth that the Lord asks of us that scripture might be fulfilled. Number one, we ought to go to a divine location. Number two, we ought to obey his divine vision. And number three, we ought to take heed to his divine instructions. And when we do this, we will get a glimpse of the cult-like person that the Lord has need of. Can I say some more? We might not be looking for donkeys in the 21st century, but we're looking for people that look like an ass. I'm in the Bible. That's in the Bible. I got your attention now, don't I? What do you mean, Pastor? They tied down. They untamed. They out of control. They in custody. They unbroken. And they have need of the master. And where are you going to find them? You're going to find them in your villages. The places where you work. The places where you go to school. The places where you live. You're going to find them tied down. And your task is to loose them and bring them to the master. I, somebody's still mad that I said ass, so let me work a little harder. In our villages, we can see the people who are tied down, here it is, with the works of the flesh. What do you mean, Pastor? Yeah, they are untamed in that they can't control their sinful addictions. Addictions to adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, filthiness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, quarrels, jealousy, drunkenness, rioting, homosexuality, false religions, pride, envy, racism, and substance abuse. Everywhere you go, there's somebody in your village, somebody say my village, tied down with this stuff. And we know who they are. We know where they are. Am I right here? And they know, or we know rather, they need a savior. Listen to this, y'all. We also know and understand that the only one who can set them free is the king of glory. They can, they can only be loosed by his unconditional love, his grace, and his mercy. Can I argue the text? Traditions won't loose them. Religion won't loose them. Rehab won't loose them. Self-help groups won't loose them. Psychic hotlines won't loose them. 
gossip circles won't loose them. Incarceration sentences won't loose them. Organized religion won't loose them. False doctrine and false preaching won't loose them. False ideas won't loose them. Only God's servants on God's mission, operating in God's love with God's authority, has the power to loose them. Can I say some more? And I believe, New Beginnings, that as disciples, we know this. We understand the importance of this. So unless we get dull of hearing, let's remember what happened in that story with the young preacher. There was a young preacher who had just got his very first church, Reverend White, and he broke out his inauguration sermon preaching about girding your loins for the work of the ministry. Set the church on fire. Reverend Zuniga came back the next week and preached the same sermon. And the people thought, well, maybe he needs to drive home a point. Third week came back and brother took the same text. So you know that special committee in the church, you know that special committee. They sent their representative and they said to the preacher, don't you got another sermon? He said, yeah, I got a lot of them, but y'all ain't did nothing with the first one yet. So when y'all do something with this one, I'll move on. Here's what I'm trying to say. Don't make me preach this next week. Get on divine assignment. Talk to your neighbor and say, that's about right. That's about right. That's the disciples' assignment. Look with me at the disciples' ability. The Bible said in verse 4, so they went their way and they found the coat tied by the door. And he was outside on the street and they loosed it. When we come to this portion of the text, we get to see the disciples move out in obedience and exercise faith in what Christ had called them to do. Y'all in here? Here it is, Sister Jackie. They believed, daughter, that they could do what God had asked them to do. And they believed that they would find what Jesus was looking for. And they believed that they could handle the task of locating the coat and bringing it back to Jesus. And so they moved out. They had no doubt in their mind they could do it. And number one, they were familiar with the area that he talked about. Number two, they knew where to look. Number three, they knew what they were looking for. Number four, Courtney, they knew how to complete the task that was assigned to them. And then number five, they were trained. Reverend White talked about this at 8 o'clock. They'd been with him for three years. Perhaps they'd walked by this cult multiple times on their way into Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. They knew exactly where the donkey was. Am I making sense here? And I can't help but notice the similarities in our lives today. We too, as disciples, know exactly who the Lord is talking about when you hear this text in your ear. Soon as I read it, you start thinking about Bobo and them. Your girlfriend on your job. The people that you hang out with. Come on in here. 
that person came to your mind. Am I right right there? You know who they are. And this is powerful because you, like the disciples, understand where you ought to look. You understand who it is that needs the Savior. You understand that what God is asking of you is doable. The Bible says that they went their way and they found the cult. And guess where he was, y'all? Tied by the door. Outside. Tell somebody it was outside. That that's where they are. They ain't in here. They outside. Quit coming here looking for people tied down. You got to go find them. Guess what Jesus found the demon possessed? Guess where he found the cripple? Guess where he found the blind? Guess where he found the deaf? Guess where they were begging to have miracles done for them? So it's not uncommon to me that when he wants this donkey, he tell him, y'all got to look outside. <laughs> I'm working up here. I feel my help this morning. Can I preach it all today? Notice this. Not only must they look outside, but the text reminds for us that they had to go to where the donkey was. They couldn't wait at the Mount of Olives. For the donkey to come to them. Come on you Christians. Disciples only in the church. Waiting for the sinners to come in here. What you waiting for? The best sinner you're going to get in here. Is one who's been washed in the blood. You want the ones who ain't washed yet. Can I say some more? Notice what the text calls for. Number one, Rodney, they can't be lazy disciples. It calls for them to leave the company of the church, the community. Y'all catch that? And walk down into the city. And when they found him, it calls for physical labor. They had to walk to retrieve this coat. And then they had to bring him to Jesus. That meant because it was wild and untamed, somebody had to pull and somebody had to push. Can I say some more? Not only was it physical labor, but it calls for trust in the master. They had to trust that they could accomplish the task, no matter how difficult it was. Here it is. Ain't no quitting working with that which is difficult. Number three, it calls for them not only have physical labor, but to have trust in the master. It just flat out, Ralph called them to have to work. <laughs> work with what? Work with that which was untamed. Work with that which was out of control. That which was wild. And that which was tied down. Can I put my weight on it? Here it is. Working for the Lord is work. Uh-huh. You must roll up your sleeves and get involved in the life of the one who was untamed, out of control, rude, stubborn. Can I read my list? Selfish, mean, cold, distant, angry, high, foolish, unappreciative. Angry, unloving, 
greedy, vicious, hate-filled, racist, anti-God, anti-church, and anti-humanity. That ain't all. There's more. They heady. They proud. They know it all. You can't tell them nothing. They full of themselves. They liars. Oh, here it is. They double liars. Perverted, rotten, spoiled, bradish, and outright evil. That's the one the Lord wants. And it's going to cost for some physical labor for you to bring them to Jesus. Ah, here it is. Discipleship ain't for sissies. It ain't for quitters. It ain't for crybabies. It ain't for lazy believers. Another dimension discipleship call you to be a worker in the kingdom. Y'all was looking at me when I announced another dimension. Because some of us only want the first dimension of discipleship. That's why we come and sing Kumbaya every week. And we don't have to leave here and do nothing. But the truth is, if you want to go to the next level in your ministry, you got to have another dimension in your discipleship. And that's where it calls for you to roll up your sleeves and deal with the ugly side of humanity. Can I preach it all in here? Listen, quit getting mad when somebody in the church step on your feet or hurt your feelings. Let them do that, amen? Just keep your sleeves rolled up. Because when you bring them wild and out of control, the word got to tame them. Sometimes they're going to talk out of turn. Sometimes they're going to look at you cross-eyed. That's why you can't go getting your feelings hurt when they step on your last good nerve. Are you with me here? Discipleship is dirty business, New Beginnings. It calls for you to not quit on folks. All I'm trying to say is it ain't easy. You ought to just, somebody ought to tweet that for me. They'll get it, amen. It ain't easy. It ain't easy. But I like the text. Can I stay in my text? It says, they found the colt tied by the door outside on the street. <laughs> it's in the text. And they loosed it. When they found what Christ was looking for, they found it in what I call is the crosshairs of two ways. There was a door. And there was a street. And it was tied down in between two locations. I missed somebody, so let me, let me waddle right there. It was tied down, Deacon Lorda, in between two possibilities. It was tied down between two ways, inside and outside. It was tied between two ways. Yeah, but it was unable to loose itself and go in any direction. Here it is. It needed a guide, somebody to lead it in the right direction. Humanity is just like this cult. This morning, all of the world outside of Christ is tied down in between, Brother Gibson, two ways. Their way. And his way. The right way. And the wrong way. 
the good way and the bad way, the holy way and the unholy way. Here it is, the way of destruction and the way of eternal life. And humanity is there and God is sending you on a mission to untie them, hey, and bring them in the right direction. Is there anybody here this morning that can remember the people who came to you and untied you when you were stuck in the middle of two ways? Come on, jog down memory lane with me. Is there anybody here that can remember the people that stepped into your world of confusion, untangled your wicked thoughts, and brought you into the presence of the Lord? Is there anybody here that can remember how stuck you were between your way and his way? And God sent a disciple to untangle you and bring you into the presence of the Lord. Is there anybody here today? I'm, I'm hunting for a witness. Is there anybody here today? <laughs> Remember what it was like when you first got set free. <laughs> didn't, didn't the daisies look different that day? Didn't the clouds take on a new form? Do, do you remember how bound you were? Do you remember how tied down you were? Do you remember how difficult it was to live in that place? Do you remember how dark it was before you came to Jesus? If you can, then don't be a believer with amnesia. No, be a disciple who's willing to go and do for somebody else what somebody has done for you. <coughs> Come on in here. Is there a disciple here this morning that's, that can testify about how good it felt when you untied your first donkey? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> I just dropped something right there. Even when it was difficult, you stayed with it. Even when you had your doubts, you stayed with it. Even when they kicked and bucked against you, yes. you stayed with it. Even when they gave you mouth, I ain't going to that church. Come on, talk to me. You stayed with it. Yes. Even when they didn't appreciate your prayers, you stayed with it. Even when they refused to follow you, you stayed with it. Even when they seemed impossible to reach, you stayed with it. Here it is. It's in my notes. Even when they were rebellious like an ass coat, you stayed with it. Even when they were stubborn, you stayed with it. And now that they've been changed, you bless God. You look across the sanctuary and yonder they are singing with their hands in the presence of the Lord. I'm glad today that a few crazy sermons has turned somebody around. I get tickled pink when I come in here and say, I remember her. Oh Lord, thank you Jesus. I remember him. How you turned them around. I'm excited right there. If you just stick with it long enough, you'll get to see some fruit of your ministry. Can I get a witness? I'm encouraged today because I read a story about 
Wycliffe, some great Bible translators. The Bible translator Wycliffe's organization went through a slump in ministry. And they were struggling to try to get missionaries to go on the field and translate the Bible for tribal nations that didn't have a copy of the scriptures. But as the ministry continued and they stayed faithful, God began to add disciples to the work. And not only now do they need linguists, but they need doctors, nurses, teachers, pilots, mechanics, printers, artists, accountants, radio technicians, agronomists, and a wide assortment of secretaries and administrative help to help them make disciples all over the world. Somebody was interviewing the founder, Cameron Townsend of Wycliffe, about this great need for disciples. And Carmen said, man, we need so many people, we'll even take the bartender once he's been converted. Why'd you tell that story, Pastor? Because God has need of everybody for the next level of discipleship. For the next dimension in discipleship, God can use any man, any woman, any boy, any girl, at any place, at any time that's not afraid to be used by the master. Can I talk to you today? All they need to do is to be willing for God to use them in the village where they're headed. Well, I've talked to you today about the disciples' assignment. I've talked to you about the disciples' ability. Let me land the plane as I argue for the disciples' authority. In verse 5, the text says, But some of those who stood there, Brother Gray, said to them, What are y'all doing? Loosing the coat. And they spoke to them and said what the Lord had commanded them to say. And in verse 7, the text says, or verse 6b, they let them go. Verse 7, and they brought the coat to Jesus and they threw their clothes on it. And he sat upon it. When we arrive at this portion of the text, family, we see in this portion of the work, Reverend Mason, what I call is the dunamis dynamic. What do you mean, Doc? The dunamis dynamic is uh, the fact that they use their ability to do what God had called them to do. The word dunamis is one of two Greek words in the New Testament that defined authority. Dunamis means ability or might. Exousia means permission or authority to operate on behalf of the one who has the authority. Are you with me here? I call this the dunamis effect because they did what they knew God told them to do. And when they exercised his authority, those who came against them had to get out the way. I just dropped something right there. 
when you get to this portion of the text, you get to see what I call is a pre-Calvary glimpse of what it would look like to work on the king's behalf in the earth for his purpose, his plan, and his priority. After Calvary, Jesus is going to do the same thing. He's going to send them forth into the world to make disciples. Pre-Calvary, he's doing it. And so they get a taste of what it would be like to operate on his behalf as they move on his authority in the earth. All right, y'all ain't impressed, so let me waddle in the text. Somebody tried to stop them from doing what the Lord told them to do. Somebody challenged what they were thinking. Here it is. Somebody has something to say. So somebody didn't like it and they had an opinion about what they were doing and how they were doing it. Here it is. The text says somebody stood there and said to them, what are y'all doing? Untying that cord. <laughs> I stopped by to tell you, Brother Mel, that whenever you are working for the Lord in the earth, there's going to be obstacles. Quit crying when somebody come up against you. When somebody try to stop you on your job from being a witness. When somebody try to stop you in the school for testifying. There's going to be interruptions. There's going to be questions. There's going to be obstructionists. There will be those who feel as if it is their business to question you. And to impede your progress in the ministry that the Lord has sent you on. Where? Or why are you loosing the cult? Now, for the record, I think it was good, Brother Wendell, that they checked and challenged the disciples. Can I tell you why? Somebody say, yeah, preacher. Yeah. It gave the disciples an opportunity to testify about why they were doing what they were doing. And who gave them authority to do what they were doing? Okay, let me say it another way. You need the world every now and then to chin check you. To remind you that you're in a battle. To remind you there's going to be opposition for trying to raise your kids in a godly manner. You need the world every now and then. To question what you're doing. So you can be reminded of who it is you're working for. So you don't get amnesia and just think it's going to come to you easy. Can I argue right there? Salvation didn't come to Jesus easy. It cost him something to go to the cross. His obedience cost him. And your obedience is going to cost you too. If it was easy... Everybody would be doing The hard thing about Christianity is one word, obedience. If you obey, it's going to cost you something. Oh, y'all ain't with me, so let me put my weight on it. It ought to hurt a little bit. 
Somebody ought to say something about your Bible class. They ought to have a doubt. They ought to have a few hates on your likes. Come on, talk to me. They ought not always agree with what you say. Every now and then, somebody ought to stand up and act a fool because you preach it. Just to remind you that you on assignment from the Lord and it's a war over the souls of those which are tied down. <laughs> I believe in every now and then somebody question you. The text says, and they, when they gave him the report, Tommy, they had to let him go. They had to let him go because they had followed and operated in the authority of the Lord. They had to let him go because they were operating on a divine assignment. They were operating with divine ability. And therefore, no man could not hinder them. Are y'all in here now? Well, I see y'all nodding, so let me get on down the road. They brought the coat to Jesus. And they brought it under the authority of the kurios. That's the Greek word for the Lord. They said that the Lord told us to do this. And at his name, I wish I could run that rabbit. They had to let him go. At the name of the Lord, the obstructionist had to release what he wanted. At the name of the Lord, they could operate in difficult spaces. At the name of the Lord, those who were withholding that which God needed had to be released. So quit operating in the name of your church. Quit operating in the name of your pastor. Quit operating in the name of your grandmama and granddaddy and your faith tradition or under the Baptist umbrella and operate under the name of the Lord. You'll see more results when you operate under the name of the Lord. I got to leave you now. But here it is. God wanted that which was untamed. Y'all hear that right there? He wanted that which had never been broken. See, Jesus had a purpose and a plan for riding on this thing that no man had ever tamed. Because when he rode on it, yes, he was going to elevate himself in the earth that all men would know not only did he fulfill scripture, but he was the Messiah they were waiting for. The cool thing about the passage is that the coat went from being tied down to being set free. The coat went from being wild and unruly to being tamed and meek. He went from being out of control to being under control. And only Jesus, yes, can bring control to an out of control situation. I said only Jesus can bring control to a reckless situation. I brought my own witness right here. Come here, Angelus. And testify. Is it true that you went from being unruly, defiant, disobedient, sprung on gangs and drugs, addicted to lies and violence and sexual promiscuity and deceit? Yep, it's true. <laughs> and did Jesus bring control to an out of control situation? Yep, it's true. You can call yourself to the witness stand. You can say, come here, self. Ain't it true? God fixed me. 
from my addictions. God changed me from my bad habits. God opened my eyes to my sinful mentality. Won't God break you to make you better? Won't he help you to pick you up and turn you around? Can I run that rabbit? God's got a history of breaking men from the beginning of time. Come here, Abraham. Didn't he break you from your sinful ways and tame you for your service? Come here, Jacob. Didn't he break you from being a trickster and tame you for his service? Come here, Moses. Didn't he break you from wanting to be an Egyptian to turning you into one of his choice servants? Come here, Samson. Didn't he break you from your defiance and tamed you for his service. Come here, Jonah. Didn't he break you and tame you for his service? Come here, Apostle Paul. Didn't he break you from your pride and tame you for his service? Jesus got a track record of breaking you before he used you. I know I'm in the church today, but can I waddle a little longer? He never uses you greatly until he has hurt you deeply. Can't use your sister Zunaga like he wants to, daughter, until he breaks you from the stuff that has control. Are you in here? Sister Wilson and I have the audacity to raise boys. And I found out something in every boy that's a little disobedience. But the belt will break them. And make them grow up to be men who obey. Guess what? God ain't too far from that. That's what he does in the life of his children. He'll break you before he uses you greatly. I got to leave you now. But I'm so glad God doesn't spare his children from sorrow and pain. I'm so glad he uses the difficult spaces in life to conform us into his image. So glad the spade of suffering will dig the well of joy. Did you catch that right there? The spade of suffering will dig the well of joy. Jesus, the Lamb of God, had to suffer that you might contain joy. Jesus died at the old hill called Calvary to forgive your sins that you might contain the joy of your salvation. Jesus, the Lamb of God, suffered with nails in his hands, a crown of thorns on his head, a spear in his side, that you might contain the peace that passes all understanding. He died, didn't he die? But early Sunday morning, God the Father raised him back to life and yonder he sits at the right hand of glory he had to go through suffering in order for you and I to be raised in the newness of life well I'm through preaching here but I gotta close my text the right way the bible says that they brought that coat and they brought it back to Jesus and when they brought the coat back to the master the Bible says that something spontaneous happened. 
He never tells them to drink the coat when they bring it back. But something on the inside of the two disciples, when they brought the coat back to the master, the Bible says that when they saw Jesus' intent for using the coat, come here, Reverend, bow down for me. They laid their coats on him. Y'all see that there? They covered that old untamed donkey. Y'all missed it. The picture is they knew he was untamed, wild and out of control. But if the master was going to use him, as disciples, they had to cover him. So the king of glory, the prince of peace, could elevate himself on top of that old donkey. Here's what I'm trying to say. Church, we got to quit condemning them and cover them. Quit uncovering them when you bring them to the Lord. Cover them so the Lord can use them for his service. Y'all not in here, so let me get on down the road. Guess what happened? After they covered him, the Bible says that the praise broke out in the crowd. And everybody else started pulling down branches, taking off their coats, and laying them in the presence of the Lord. And as that old donkey had the king of glory on his back and started marching, a praise broke out in the house. Can I preach it all in here? Somebody said, Hosanna! Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They started singing. They started worshiping. And as a part of their worship, they gave. They gave the stuff off their backs and laid it at the feet of the master. Here it is. Come in here. It was pre-Pentecost. What do you mean, pastor? In Pentecost, Acts chapter 4, they gave everything they had because they had encountered the Lord. This is pre-Pentecost. Before the coming and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, at the presence of Jesus, something inside of them made them release their stuff and lay it at the feet of the master. Can I argue right here? That's how you know you're in the presence of God when he make you want to give up some stuff. When you truly get in the presence of the Lord, Ain't nobody got to beg you to give. Ain't nobody got to beg you to serve. Ain't nobody got to beg you to worship. You automatically do it because you know whose presence you are in. I got to close this thing. I got too much meat, but can I, can I read one of my favorite songs to you? Hillsong sang that song. I see the king of glory. Coming on the clouds with fire. The whole earth shakes. The whole earth shakes. I see his love and mercy washing over all my sins. The people sing. The people sing. Hosanna. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. 
Then the author said, Gibson, I see a generation rising up to take their place with selfless faith. Selfless faith. They say, I see a near revival stirring as we pray and seek. We're on our knees. We're on our knees. Hosanna! Hosanna! And they said, heal my heart, God, and make it clean. Open up my eyes to the things unseen. No beginnings, that's my prayer. Don't want to play church. Don't want to just show up here and go through the motions. I want to live my life like I see the king of glory. I want him to take all of me all the time. Don't want to be a thermometer for Jesus. I want to experience another dimension. And while I got your attention, if I were you and I didn't have a relationship with Jesus, I'd get out of my seat and I'd come running down to him. And like those in that crowd, I'd prostrate myself saying, Hosanna. If I were you and I was a lukewarm disciple, I'd make my mind up today. I'm no longer going to be a carnal believer. But I'm going to be set on fire. I don't care what the world says. I'm going to give him my life. I'm going to give him my praise. He can have my possessions. He can have my stuff. If I were you and I was on my way to hell, I'd change directions by coming to the king of glory prostrating myself if I were you and my mind was messed up I'd do something different today I'd come and prostrate myself before the king of glory as I close I'm reminded of a story that I held with a brother when I was interviewing him as he came from the prison he said pastor the worst thing ever happened to me when I went into the penitentiary is that when I drove up, the brother said, now who you gonna ride with? He said, I'm not a gang member. I'm not a dope dealer. I'm gonna just do my time by myself. They said, no, you're not. In the penitentiary, every man must choose whose side you're gonna be on. And I stopped by to tell you that it's the same way in the universe. When you were born, you came in and you got to choose a side. You going to run with the devil or you going to run with Jesus? There's only two sides. One is dark and one is light. And you got to choose today. As a disciple of Christ, are you going to live a life holy unto him? Or are you going to be carnal and hang out with the devil as a pseudo-believer? You got to decide today how you going to live. And what you gonna do for Jesus? Would you stand for us as we sing the chorus of this great song? I see the King of Glory.